Welcome again to the Talking Guitar Podcast, brought to you by the North American Guitar in Nashville, Tennessee. Lindsay Straw here, today featuring my recent chat with Canadian builder Zach Lefebvre of Treehouse Guitars. Though he may not yet work out of an actual treehouse, the ecologically minded guitar maker does build in his small, self-made and off-the-grid cabin in the woods of Ontario. We chat about how his family's deep musical and instrument-making roots set him on the path to performing and then later building himself, eventually studying under Sergei de Jong. We talk about striking the balance between building for working musicians versus building for the high-end market, the importance of soundboards and choosing sustainable resources, and I pretend like I totally understand exactly what he's talking about when he dives into the math and science of guitar making. Zach is a multi-talented guy, and in addition to working in the shop, he still gets himself on stage and in the studio with his duo, Wildwood Soul, as well as with his family band, The Oshrays. Be sure to check out links to his music in the show notes. And now, enjoy my chat with Zach of Treehouse Guitars. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me for the podcast today. Super exciting to finally talk to you and, and learn more about your background. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be um, on and excited to be uh, represented by uh, Teenag, of course. I'm very happy about that, so. Oh, yeah, we, we love having your guitars in the shop and they've done so well for us. And it's like, I can't believe that we haven't done this sooner because I feel like maybe, maybe it's because you kind of joined the roster around the same time that I, st- I started at Teen Egg. So I feel like you've been a part of Teen Egg the whole time that I have. And I'm like, how have we not had a more in-depth chat yet? Huh, yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Here, here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are finally. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, I guess the first question that I always ask people, and I especially want to know with you, because I don't think I know as much about your background as I do about some of the other luthiers. So I, I'm just so curious to hear about how you got into woodworking and how you got into guitar making specifically. And and yeah, what was your what was your formal education or your path into it? Okay. Um, yeah, I'll start with, I guess, uh, my childhood, because it all led up to that. Um I grew up in a really musical family. Uh, my family around here is n- known for their music. We, uh, they actually have a nonprofit organization that runs a weekly, uh, week-long music camp every year, and and uh, a lot of music stuff in this community um, uh, for my family. And my mom always says I slept under a lot of pianos when I was young because um, she was a touring musician and. Uh, so I was immersed in in music ever since um, I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and the creative process has always been encouraged and uh, I guess really important to me. Um, more than uh, money, I guess, in a way. <laughs> because uh, I, I never went to school for a job to make money, to, you know, to have like a good lifestyle and, you know, retire and blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, so I, I played in my family band. I, I still do. We still play music together and, uh, leading up to, I guess, uh, in high school was sort of the first indication that I was interested in trying to build a guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and in art class, I wanted to build an electric guitar because I thought, oh, that, that'd be pretty cool. You could get sculptural with an electric guitar. And uh, it was too big of a project, so I wasn't allowed to do it. Uh, <laughs> in in woodworking class, I thought, okay, this is this is the time to do it, right? No, nope, too big of a project. So I, I was, uh, I guess, told that I couldn't do it. So that got kind of set aside, and uh, 
<clears throat> I went to university for uh, one year for music. And mm -hmm. uh, I ended up dropping out because it was sort of, I guess, ruining music for me. It was turning it into more of a chore than a creative uh, outlet. Um, so I dropped out of university and I had to make a choice between two things. I wanted, I wanted to do two things really badly. And one of them was try to make guitars. And the other one was go take a course to make uh, tree houses. Mm -hmm. So like life-sized uh, tree houses that people live in. Um, actually, the guy that I was thinking about taking the course with, um, he has a, a show on TV now, Peter Nelson, um, really well-known uh, tree house builder, I guess. <laughs> so that's where the tree house guitars name came. And I thought maybe someday I'll have a, a workshop in a tree, which Ooh. would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's still in the back of my mind right now. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's sort of where the name came from. But uh, from there, of course, I decided to make guitars, not trioses. So I went to, I actually reached out to Grit Laskin. He was like the only guitar maker I knew of at the time. Um, and I was more into aesthetic, um, I guess the aesthetic side of guitar making mm -hmm. uh, at that time. Um, so, uh, I had some, uh, acquaintance acquaintances that, or some, uh, uh, connections to Grit Laskin, not directly, but through other people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he basically said he doesn't take apprentices, but check out this course, uh, that Sergey de Young, uh, teaches. Mm -hmm. So I, I went and took the course, absolutely loved it and uh, started my business right after taking the course. The course was a month long and oh, okay. I built I built two guitars, uh, cutaway guitars, um, which was, thinking back was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, it was really, uh, I guess, intense. I think my shortest day was about 12 hours in the wow. shop. So I was spending a lot of after hours in there too. And mm -hmm. um, it was... I guess also not only just a learning experience for making guitars, but uh, a huge life experience um, because the way that Sergei approaches guitar making, um, I think it's, I don't know, it's so beautiful. It's um, he, he takes the guitars in the direction that he wants. Um, he wa he tries a lot of different things, uh, experiments a lot. Um, which I've taken from that uh, that experience with him, and I've I experiment a lot, and uh, I think it helps us learn more about how the guitar works, um, mm -hmm. what you're doing, and what the effects of what you're doing are, um, and also just his lifestyle of of uh, <laughs> his lifestyle um, of. I mean, he's, he maybe spent a little bit too much time in the workshop, <laughs> <laughs> but the lifestyle of him, um, just picture uh, an older gentleman in his slippers in the workshop, uh, sometimes wearing a couple pairs of glasses stacked on <laughs> each other. And uh, uh, yeah, he, he just loves his job 
um, and sharing his knowledge. So uh, being ex um, in, in that environment really felt amazing and was inspiring. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyways, that was, that was where I learned uh, guitar making initially. I, I went home after that uh, for two years. I built my first, I forget how many guitars, three guitars, maybe three or four. And uh, then I had a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to him for as an apprentice for, for two months. And then again, two years at home and then went back again for two months. Um, so uh, on three separate occasions, I went back to Sergey and spent time okay. with him. Helped a little bit with that, um, the courses that he teaches. Um, so, and, and teaching, I, re I really like teaching too. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then the rest was sort of learning from my experience and, uh, and the wealth of knowledge that's out there in, in guitar making land, <laughs> Yeah, uh, everybody else's, uh, willingness to share and, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like to think that I'm a bit of a sponge with that kind of stuff. The rest is like I'm terrible with names, but guitars. <laughs> I guess I'm a bit I'm I'm a bit nerdy about guitars, so that's yeah, a lot nerdy. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Sergey just seems to. I, I didn't realize how much of a, a huge presence he was until just recently talking to to Dion and um, oh gosh, who else did I just talk to where he came up to? But like, yeah, he's such a massive presence up there. Yeah, so that's so cool. I didn't realize that he taught a course like a formalized course like that. So that makes a lot of sense that he's that's part of why he has that influence and, and that impact mm -hmm. on other builders. Um, so how far away from or from Toronto are you? Are you pretty close to, to grit there? No, I, I'm about seven, seven and a half hours. Mm. Uh, drive. So I'm actually far from everything here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just about as far as you can get from anything. Um, Ottawa is about nine hours from mm -hmm. here and that's where near near where sergey lives oh, okay cool but the closest guitar maker that i know of is is uh matt maranger maranger uh on manitoulin island and oh, okay uh, actually he, he builds some really nice electrics and and uh arch top stuff oh cool i haven't seen his work yet i'll have to check that out yeah yeah um so how uh, I want to go back to your family, your family's music, because that's that's so cool that you got to grow up with that. Was it um was it like more of a traditional music sort of background or just kind of yeah. more? general? Yeah. OK, that's yeah. That's it was like the case. Celtic, Celtic, Irish, uh, trad music. Awesome. Um, French Canadian kind of music. Yeah. A lot of toe tapping. Actually, the fiddle is is a huge part of my family. The guitar is not so much, but mm -hmm. um the violin and fiddle. I have triplet uncles who are well known in the oh wow bad music. They they play violin and and they've won the grandmaster fiddle competitions um, many times. Oh wow, <laughs> um, that's crazy. I actually, I actually have another uncle who's a world renowned violin maker, mm. which is I, I don't know. It's interesting because I haven't really had a whole lot of um, interaction with him. Um, maybe because the the violins have never really been super interesting to me. They're always kind of the same, you know? Um, whereas the guitar making, you can be a lot more creative with them. Yeah. But the family, yeah, the family, family music, it's actually 
every second year we have Christmases together and it's like this big bash, musical bash and Aww. a lot of uh, music playing and singing and stuff like that. And, That's yeah. so cool. So yeah. is is that how you had that connection to Grit because of his involvement in the traditional music scene too? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so cool. I'm so jealous. That's awesome. <laughs> um, man. Okay. So then, so yeah, just to kind of pivot back into guitars, um, do you, do you feel like your musical taste drives your, your, the types of guitars that you want to build in any way, or do you, are you kind of open to whatever folks kind of request? Um, I'm yeah, definitely. Um, I, I also love playing like singer songwriter uh, style music. So like Milk Carton Kids or um, like Gillian Welch and uh, Gregory Allen. I, actually, I love so many different kinds of music, but yeah. those ones I like to I like to play that kind of music. And uh, so I think my guitars, I definitely focus on dynamics a lot. Uh, I want a lot of headroom in my guitars, which is um, I'm not really sure why, but I think uh, in my playing experience, when I play with, uh, like when I'm playing backup for a traditional group or whatever, I, I don't want the guitar to hold me back as mm -hmm. far as dynamics go. Um, yeah. so <clears throat> if I really strum hard, I want it to deliver. <laughs> yeah. So at the same time, I really love the Samoji sound. So it's like, I'm trying to get those two together. Um, and that's what I'm striving for. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dynamic range is huge for me. Um, and then I don't know, the rest is kind of like whatever I feel sounds nice, <laughs> like, like overtones and, and, uh, color, I guess, uh, colorful sound. Um, I don't know. It's so hard to describe sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like it's, it's such a, an uphill battle. And then you talk to some pe person and they're like, that's not how it sounds to me. And I'm like, yeah, words yeah, don't yeah. apply. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but th that really makes sense that like, yeah, your experience, because I mean, yeah, guitar is always one of the quietest, quietest instruments in a session or a jam setting. And so whether you're a singer songwriter and you're playing with a band or you're backing a Celtic fiddler or, you know, even a larger group. Yeah. Like that volume aspect is so important. And so it makes a lot of sense that that is that's something that you build into your guitars and you definitely can see that with your guitars. Like Thanks. even your parlors have so much power, which is crazy. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I guess power can be explained in a few different ways, but I, I, I like the, I like the notes to be thick and full. Yeah. Even when you're playing them hard, you know how like if you if you really push a guitar and it can't handle it, it can get kind of shrill and thin. Right. Um, but I want that like full punchy uh, sound, you know, punch you right in the gut, even when you're <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you definitely achieved that for sure. Well, thanks. <laughs> um. So how? Um. So you have such a like I feel like more than most other luthiers I think that I've encountered you you use like the satin finishes and the osmo oil which has such a sort of like a naturalistic approach and I'm curious how, how did you come upon deciding to to use that as much as you do um because yeah I don't feel like it's super common but I think it's awesome yeah um I I'm still experimenting with finishes uh for the first 25 guitars I was doing French polish mm -hmm. and 
I got, I feel like I got pretty good at it. Um, but it's so fragile yeah. and, uh, I just moved away from it for that reason. Um, and I noticed it was, uh, leading up to that 25th guitar I was thinking French polish is you know the best sounding finish because it's thin and it that's just everybody knows it's it's the best sounding finish yeah and, uh, and then I sent two guitars off to get finished by Vancouver guitar finishing they sprayed a really nice finish that was still very thin and my guitars sounded just as good if not better so I don't know like there was a shift in uh, my thinking there I guess um, but it made me, I guess, uh, explore the, uh, the other options a bit more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the nice thing about Osmo oil, um, is that it's, uh, it's good for the environment. It's not stinky. It's not toxic. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. You, and, and it's actually really easy to apply and, and touch up and stuff. Um, uh, I think it's more durable than French polish. Um, okay. Maybe, maybe for the, the sole reason that it's not glossy. Yeah. Um, you know how, like if, if you put a little dent in a glossy finish, it's like, yeah, it's there, it's right there. <laughs> um, but in a satin finish, um, it's, it kind of hides it maybe, I guess. Yeah. I think that's I a, a good assumption. Yeah. And then, and then I also like to think of uh finish, any finish as like, uh, mass that's added to the instrument so whether it's uh, absorbed in the wood or it's on top the the guitar still has to vibrate all that mass or um yeah uh, and uh with an oil finish the osmo oil it takes very little osmo oil to finish a guitar so you're adding very little mass uh which is i think amazing for tone mm -hmm. um and uh um i'm still I still struggle with the, the idea of putting it on like a really high end guitar. Um, mm -hmm. one of my like fancier guitars, because I don't know that it would really accept it. Um, but, uh, like on the Ember series guitars, I love it. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, it goes really well with the, the, the sunburst finish. Um, also the, the satin finishes, they really, uh, highlight the wood. They don't have all the reflections happening and, um, I'm actually a satin finish guy, even if it's a sprayed finish, I, I like satin finishes. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And I actually did a few, a couple parlors recently with, uh, satin finish tops and glossy back and sides. Mm -hmm. And, and I really liked that look, the satin top glossy back and sides. <laughs> <laughs> the oiled necks, oiled necks. I love oiled necks. The yeah. feel of oiled necks is just I, I haven't found anything that feels better in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. I love that about your guitars and Dion's guitars. Like, it's just like, that's what all the next should be. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Is there, um, what, what's the, is there like a, a, pra a pragmatic reason for going gloss on the back and sides and satin on the top? Um, no, I guess I just wanted to try it. I, um, I, I also, I guess, I don't like my guitars to look too blingy mm -hmm. on the front, but sometimes I'll make more decorative features on the back and sides just mm -hmm. because I think it's, it's more for the player than the audience, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And that those two guitars particularly had 
really uh really dark and sort of fancy looking woods on the back and side so oh, okay um with a i think dark woods with a glossy finish can be pretty it, it really highlights the finish i guess yeah, yeah definitely uh, but yeah no no reason other than i kind of wanted to try it <laughs> yeah aesthetic cool well, actually the, the other there is a plus side is uh, the satin finishes can be uh applied thinner oh yeah so then that, that soundboard vibrates more yeah exactly yeah gotcha cool um so yeah with your aesthetic choices um is that have you had a pretty consistent i mean at least in the guitars we've seen from you they've all had a very cohesive look to them but how did you come to your particular style with that sort of like bluish it, it, it is like patinated copper right or is it yeah. Yeah. okay yeah, how did you yeah. come in? It was uh, uh, a lot of trying things. <laughs> first, uh, I would say my first probably 28, 29 guitars were a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, flexing my muscles as far as like aesthetic options go. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but after that, I, I kind of, I, I built one guitar that was sort of similar to what I do now and mm -hmm. I really liked it. So I kind of developed that style. And then I, I, I liked it so much that I wanted it to be my regular style. And, and, and it was in a point in my career when I decided that I really need like a, a an identity, I guess, mm -hmm. as far as like, I want my guitars to be recognizable. So I think that that broken rosette with uh, the copper in it is sort of, a standard feature now mm -hmm. and then the, the copper in the base i think that's really sexy yeah the guitar <laughs> buds not, yeah the guitar but guitar <laughs> buds with instagram i tried to coin that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and and things like that where it's it's not like, nobody's gonna see it mm -hmm. except maybe the 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 player who looks at it every once in a while yeah but uh those kinds of things i really like because they're it's kind of an understated uh, detail. choice towards making those more environmental choices and um are, are you going to kind of try to avoid using things like brazilian rosewood and the, the tropical hardwoods that are hard to come by and in favor of those more sustainable resources um yeah definitely i've i made the conscious choice to not use brazilian rosewood from the get-go mm -hmm. um, i live off-grid um in a little in a little cabin pretty much so um, in any part of my life, I'm really conscious about, uh, my environmental impact. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there are so many woods around me that are great for guitars. Mm -hmm. So why not use them? And, uh, I've, I've built guitars with many different species back and sides. <clears throat> and the top is obviously way more important to the sound than the back and sides. And, and, I haven't built a guitar with a, one type of wood that I didn't like for the back and sides. 
mm-hmm. they just all have their own little flavor i guess um but maple is so prevalent around here there's a lot of, of hard maple and and some soft maple um so i do use that quite a bit in my mm-hmm. builds um <clears throat> the uh, ember series i i've been using a lot uh almost entirely local woods for that um and that's it really feels nice especially mm-hmm. when the i'm i'm not a huge fan of the light colored woods which is the downside of like yeah all the local woods are light colored for for here mm-hmm. um but the embers series when you when you put a stain on it it totally changes it i don't know mm-hmm. i really like the sunburst looks the hand rub sunburst um but it's it's hard to find top wood from around here um Thankfully, it's it's easy to get top wood that's that's uh, salvaged from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd say I'm I'm very conscientious about what I use. What that being said, I'm still using Honduras rosewood. I'm I'm still using uh, uh, tropical hardwoods. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I do. It's it's a very important part of my business I guess Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah and it's it's great I think to to really make that call early on and set that precedent for yourself so that you attract the kinds of players who are open to that right away yeah yeah totally yeah (laughs) um what's your personal favorite um I guess maybe what's your favorite kind of more traditional tone wood oh traditional is redwood traditional yeah okay Uh Good That's question. <laughs> yeah, like well, how long has Redwood really been used in guitars? Now that yeah, I think maybe, about not, it. maybe not that long. Um, I don't know. Um, there, the spruces. I think uh, mainly in terms of density, and uh, I, I just like a sort of a less dense spruce. Mm-hmm. Um, like moon spruce tends to be less dense. Dense. Um, so it sort of naturally fits with what I like. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I, I've built uh, guitars with Sitka Spruce, which have uh, sounded amazing too. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're talking about traditional woods, top woods, uh, back and sides, I, I really don't think it matters as much as people say it does. I, I built a guitar with rich light back and sides. Really? Um, yeah. And it sounds so good. <laughs> I actually took the guitar on tour. I I, I decided to take it with me and oh, I played that's awesome. tour and um and it sounds amazing, but it's just rich light back and sides. Yeah. Which goes to show you that pardon? What what is that substance? I, I know it's it's like a man-made substance, right? Yeah, it's it's uh what they call vulcanized paper. Uh they use okay. it for uh fretboards. I think mm-hmm. Gibson uses uses it quite a bit for fretboards it's nasty to work with. It's like, a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty nasty to work with. Bending sides was really difficult, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it was, uh, I guess a huge experiment, but it taught me a lot about the, uh, contribution of back and sides or like woods in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously the top is super important. Yeah. <laughs> And I love redwood. Redwood's my favorite. For yeah, yeah. I, I've I've come around on redwood a lot this year. Where we we feel like we've had just a ton of great guitars with redwood tops. And I'm like, ah, oh, 
Now yeah. I need another guitar. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's such an interesting um, sort of observation that, yeah, the back and side woods aren't necessarily as important because it's like they're almost the the back and side woods are kind of the more easy topic to talk about and to make like, oh, like our tone wood review videos where it's like, yeah, because like, there's so many different options mm -hmm. and people really want to talk about those. But at the end of the day, it's just like between between, you know, talking to all, all of you luthiers and, and finding out sort of like what really matters to you guys and and finding out how much control you really have over the sound, it really does just seem to come down more to the tops and to the luthiers. And for the mm. back and side woods, like there's really no reason to be pillaging like tiny resources that are so valuable and so over, you know, overtaken from already that like, yeah, just find a better resource for it. And the yeah, yeah. Are great. <laughs> Yeah, and there are so many guitar there's so many woods that sound similar. Mm -hmm. So like Brazilian rosewood, there's um like uh I'm building with Honduras rosewood right, right now, which I I actually bought salvaged pretty much. Um <clears throat> uh, that was a whole other story, but um, <laughs> I have a lot of it now. Um but it sounds I would say very similar to Brazilian rosewood. Mm -hmm. Um and Wenge that sounds really similar to Brazilian rosewood. Yeah. And I feel like I could, I can almost tell just by running my hand on it. Um, I don't know if, uh, anybody's talked to you about that before, but like, if I run my fingers along the board, it's got kind of like a really, um, ringy, like, I don't, I don't really tap things unless I'm looking for cracks. Mm -hmm. Um, but I find like running my fingers along the, the slice, actually tells me more about and and like woods like Wenge and Honduras rosewood sound identical to Brazilian rosewood when you do that wow so, I don't know um yeah yeah a lot of options out there Brazilian rosewood's not the only one the yeah. best the best one yeah and best, what is best I don't know yeah yeah it's <laughs> objective and yeah, yeah. there's just there's so many reasons why something becomes the favored thing and it might not necessarily be due to like empirical evidence that it is the best. It's just like lore and timing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brazilian rosewood is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Aesthetically. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's partly why it yeah. was used in the beginning and why it keeps getting used. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's good to explore the other options. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the most unusual tone wood you've used so far? well rich light <laughs> yeah, i guess yeah. yeah i guess if you want to call it tone wood i don't know um otherwise i don't know i guess i've used fairly standard woods um i i used mango wood mm. for back and sides um that was really interesting that was one of my like my uh it was my first commission um and it was from my dad he's he said um, treat me as a customer. I'm your first uh, customer and, uh, you know, build me a guitar. Mm -hmm. So I went through the build process with him and uh, <clears throat> it was a way of, of him supporting me and getting a guitar out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but it had mango, which was uh, really interesting to work with actually. And um, yeah, just totally different. <laughs> mm -hmm. How, what, um, what would be sort of the best comparison tonally speaking that you you think of tonally um 
I don't, it's so hard to say because that's one of my very first guitars. Mm. Um, like I've come such a long ways since then. So I don't know if I could even compare, compare it, but, um, as far as like density and, and, uh, and that the physical properties go, it's very, it was very lightweight. Um, almost like spalted maple maybe. Okay. Cool. I don't know, like super, super lightweight. And uh, when you go to bend the sides, it was like butter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Really lightweight. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a bit more about your models. Um, you, you do sort of like a, a pretty typical or, you know, familiar OM. You have your parlor. Um I think those are, other than the embers, those are the only ones that we've had in the shop. Do you do like double O's at all or anything bigger than an OM? Yeah, I have the quad O. Uh, oh, that's I, right. We have one of your quad O's. Yeah. And I, I don't know what to call it. I've called that model so many different things. I don't know what to call it. I call it right now. I'm calling it the big and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have, yeah, that's, there's the parlor, which is, <clears throat> it's actually loosely based off of a Martin O18. Mm -hmm. Um sort of that body shape and yeah. um which I found uh, aesthetically pleasing and it was one of my mom's favorite guitars my grandpa has an old uh, like 1940s Martin 018 um so a great guitar and uh I kind of stuck with that's been my most popular model by far I've built more parlors than all the other models put together oh wow so I'm 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 getting better with my parlors for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the OM was uh, my own take on uh, an OM sized guitar that would fit in a standard OM case without having to, you know, buy a custom case. Um, yeah. And, and uh, as far as body shape goes and curves and stuff, I played around with a lot of curves um, and really struggled with the waist. I, I don't know. I, I, one of the hardest parts of a guitar's shape for me is going from the waist to the lower boat. And in, I guess I like the tight waists. Um, and then the, the smooth transitions between curves. I hate the look of a dreadnought. <laughs> the sounds great, but <laughs> um the dreadlock the dreadnought uh, look is not my favorite um yeah and then uh the ember is actually my parlor shape um but with f holes so similar um and then yeah the big end is is uh it's actually very similar to my om but like scaled up pretty much right so then um yeah. So, so do you foresee yourself trying to make anything bigger than that? Or are you like, no, that's, that's good. That's a good enough size. Um, I, I've thought about maybe making a modified dreadnought kind of thing, just because it'd be cool to try to get that dreadnought sound, um, or like see what I can get out of a guitar that size. Um, uh, but so far, I think I'm just going to stick with those, um, I used to have a bunch of different models. I have, I have like 10 molds above my workshop there mm -hmm. for, for like, uh, Taylor and Martin shapes and stuff. And I, I don't really have any interest in, in, uh, building those. They're more for like, if I'm teaching 
a course or something and somebody wants to build a specific mm -hmm. style, then they can use those molds. But yeah, I think, I think those models, I'm going to stick with those. And that's sort of my brand um, and my sound too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like, yeah, all you really need is like a parlor and an OM and maybe a double O and yeah, that's kind of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Personal bias. Um, yeah. With the embers, um, do you ever foresee yourself going into arch tops or was your goal to sort of make like a flat top arch top kind of like kind of get that sort of experience out of a flat top guitar? Was that sort of how that came about? Um, yeah, I, that was actually shortly after I, I got a, an old arch top. It was in pieces. I, I got it from a friend and uh, he gave it to me and I put it back together and, and fixed it all up and kind of fell in love with the arch top sound. Um, but uh, I, I guess a lot of it was uh, experimental mm -hmm. um, building and uh, Eric, who I share my shop with I actually rent the shop from him. Um, he was building his first guitar and I, I asked him if he would be game to try this with me. So his first guitar is actually very similar. So we built those side by side and, uh, <clears throat> they, the idea was to get, um, uh, an arch top sound, but with more bass and volume, I guess, um, which, I don't know. It's it's a small body, so it it actually sounds more resonators, like, kind of like a resonator guitar, which is I think really cool. Yeah, um, it's not exactly what I was expecting when I was building the first one, but um, it's actually the guitar I reach for at home now. Yeah, <laughs> I like playing on it. It's great for like uh, open tunings and bluesy mm -hmm. stuff and um, that kind of yeah. Yeah, but um. Yeah, it's 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 actually um there was a lot of uh actually not a ton of measurements and and uh, experimentation on the first ember. And now that one sits on my wall because the top is is a little bit dipped down. Oh. <laughs> so I I I uh went overboard on measuring everything and the next ones. Mm -hmm. And uh the nice thing about the ember series guitars is all the pressure is pushing down on the top. So um, simulating the bridge uh, forces is really easy. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to actually brace it um, in a way that I thought made sense and uh, and put mass or, or weight on the top, uh, which is like the calculation of uh, using the string breaking over the bridge. Um, mm -hmm. And the string tension, you can actually calculate how much force is pushing down on the top. So mm -hmm. I was able to use that amount of force and then measure from the underside um, the deflection in different parts of the top. So I basically carved braces until the whole top was moving like this, as opposed to just where the bridge was. And, oh, okay. Um, a lot more experimentation on that one. <laughs> I'm confident that they're not going to cave in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And actually the first one hasn't caved in. It's just kind of sat where it, where it went. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The, the idea is, and the adding the pickup was sort of an afterthought because um, I, I like to play it acoustic, my, the one at home. Um, and 
the pickup just sort of, I guess, brought out the, it, it gave it more mojo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think also it, it sort of fits the style of that guitar really mm -hmm. well. Um, as far as like a blues and ragtimey, mm -hmm. you want a single coil pickup on one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's such a cool idea. And I feel like for, yeah, kind of going back to like the singer songwriters, like Gillian Welch or Gregory Allen Isakov, like that would be perfect for somebody who plays like yeah. with a singer songwriter like that, kind of that Americana style, but like a little bit more ethereal and out there, like just like exactly. perfect for that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the the hope, anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the main guitar that you like to play at home now. Yeah. I, although I don't have one of my recent guitars, I have my my second guitar, which mm -hmm. I built at Sergey's, and it sounds good, but it's not anything like the the ones I'm building now. Mm -hmm. um, so my most recent guitar is that Ember guitar. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would be reaching for it if I had, uh, you know, a new one of my parlors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because i'm i'm i've fallen in love with the the newest parlors that i really like what i'm getting i guess mm -hmm. yeah they sounded amazing how much of do you find yourself doing mostly com like commissions for specific customers or do you work with any other shops like ours um up until covid it was all um almost entirely custom orders and from from the get go, I had a I had a waiting list, which really was amazing for me because yeah. I could just uh, work away. Um, <clears throat> when COVID hit, I think I was I I was uh, affected a little bit differently than a lot of guitar makers. Um, my waiting list dried up, um, mm -hmm. which it was kind of a blessing in disguise because uh, it gave me the opportunity to send guitars to you guys. Mm -hmm. um, which uh i guess exposed me to the the um high-end guitar market because mm -hmm. i was up until that point i feel like i was building a lot of guitars for musicians and um music lovers uh from around like canada or or um ontario um but the high-end guitar market uh would i hadn't really had much exposure in there Mm -hmm. um the last guitar show um actually I've been to a few guitar shows but the last big guitar show I went to was uh in 20 2016 no anyways I've, I've done a handful of shows but not anything um too consistent um um but yeah the the right now um I'm mainly building uh my own guitars uh, the way I want them and then sending them off or putting them up for sale kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I haven't worked with any other shops. I haven't had the um, ability to, I guess. Um, but working with Teaneg has been uh, awesome uh, because it, it allows you guys to do your job, which you do really well. And then um, I can do what I love, which is the, the crafting of the guitars. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I guess marketing myself has never been uh, super enjoyable to me. Um, <laughs> I I guess I like to stay humble, um, which uh, 
doesn't work so well when you're trying to, to market your, your own. Yeah. Work. You have to do that self-promoting thing, but I mean, you do do yeah. a great job with your presentation of what you do, like with your Instagram and your, your website yeah. and everything. But I understand it's, it's tough to talk about yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to look like, a, a, you know, you, I, I don't want you to have to bleep this out, but yeah, I don't want you to look <laughs> like one of those. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so, yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, it's like, so, that, so it's interesting to hear that, um, that, yeah, I guess your guitars do sort of sit in that, um, that sort of price bracket where it does actually make them attainable to working musicians, which is awesome because yeah, mm -hmm. so much of the high-end market is a little bit unattainable. Yeah. I um, actually, um, I'll speak to that too, because I, I just recently in the last couple of years, totally changed my pricing, um, and how I, I price my guitars, uh, because I've always struggled with that. I, I, making a living making guitars for musicians is not easy yeah but you don't want to price yourself out of that market because those are the people that are going to play the guitars and that's what you want mm -hmm. so um i changed my pricing so that um a, a musician can save up and order a guitar a base model guitar it's still attainable mm -hmm. but then if you want extras it costs quite a bit more Mm -hmm. so like that, that's where I can make um my living I guess is on the the extras and while keeping the guitars um attainable for for working musicians yeah yeah that's awesome and I think that's I mean that's such a valuable thing because you want it's like an ecosystem in a way and you want people who are collectors who want the really fancy stuff because yeah that kind of helps everybody in a, in a way it helps to make your guitars available to people who aren't necessarily going to buy those things, but maybe they'll buy them on the used market at some point makes, yeah. makes it so that you can, yeah, you can offer those, those base model options. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that makes a lot of sense that you do that. Yeah. And if I had it my way, I would, I would build guitars and give them away, but <laughs> yeah. Capitalism. <Ugh>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, it's, it's interesting to hear that, um, that you kind of had that flip during COVID and, and yeah, so primarily before then it was all just like local buyers, like just folks in Canada for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But now I think you've got at least one guitar in Japan. I think that we sent one of your embers there. So yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, so now you're going worldwide. Yeah. It's awesome. It's yeah. well, working with Teaneg has been a huge boost for me. So awesome. really appreciative of that. I, I try to, um, minimize the the custom orders that I do just because um I find them I guess creatively restrictive mm -hmm. um and uh in a way I guess um some custom orders are a great opportunity to be creative um but they they can take a lot of a lot more time um mm -hmm. and I've had a couple of headaches with clients um it's inevitable <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, I guess I I just love building uh, what excites me at the time. Um, so if if it stays that way, I'm I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely the ideal such situation. Mm -hmm. yeah. So so you don't just uh, make guitars. You you kind of have like a woodworking background in general. And I did you build your your cabin? Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> I guess, a dream of mine of building this uh, off-grid uh, tiny house. Mm -hmm. We don't really call it a tiny house because it's a bit bigger than a tiny house. We saw it, oh. we call it a little house. Um, 
but yeah, it was uh, the whole design process. I wanted to to make it passive solar. So um, on a on a winter day, if it's minus thirty degrees Celsius outside, it's uh, it's like thirty degrees Celsius inside without mm -hmm. any other heat source other than the sun. Mm -hmm. um, so that idea also just, um, I don't know, the idea of, of creating it myself uh, was, uh, it was always an interest of mine. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's part of the treehouse uh, building idea there is, is you know, is similar. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, otherwise I, before that I worked uh, for my, uh, father-in-law as a contractor. Um, so I did a lot of, uh, contracting everything from foundations to roofs. Um, and <clears throat> I think that in a funny way, I learned a lot. I, I apply a lot of that to my guitar making. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always, I guess, had an engineering sort of mindset. Um, Legos when I was little, I'd, play with legos so much <laughs> um but yeah the, the engineering i was really good in math subjects in school and uh a bit of a nerd with that kind of stuff um and that all seems to apply really well with guitar making uh, yeah uh, yeah and i think um i actually approach guitar making uh i think in a bit of a different way than most guitar makers do um in terms of mindset, because I, I see, uh, the guitar, uh, what happens in the guitar when you're playing it as physical movement, as inertia. And, um, I'm really, uh, focused on, uh, what's happening to the top when the bridge is, is being pulled. It's actually being twisted. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of bracing patterns don't really make sense because the bridge is is actually pushing down in front of the bridge and pulling up behind it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of complex uh, forces happening there. Um, and I like to think of it as physical movement. So um, not like tap tuning things and stuff, but actual physical movement, uh, measuring deflections and stuff and, and uh, designing bracing patterns that allow physical movement in certain places and restrict physical movement in other places mm -hmm. and then putting mass in places where you want um inertia to sort of like stop or get bounced back and then removing mass from areas that you want to have more inertia mm -hmm. um but yeah i guess that's that's sort of the way i've evolved my guitars is is with that mindset um and I think it's worked well. It's I, guitars keep get, getting better, so hopefully that keeps <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's awesome. So, with your bracing, would it does it look like kind of a standard X type of pattern, or, or do you? Yeah, I'm just curious. Now I I, I want to go grab a mirror and look inside yeah. the the OM. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. It's it's uh, it's a Martin X style bracing for the most part. There's the X there. Um, and then for the finger braces, I use, uh, flat, uh, skinny braces. So like, depending on the, mo on the model, usually it's three on either side, uh, flat, narrow braces, um, mm -hmm. because I don't want rigidity there. I want, uh, crack prevention, uh, mm -hmm. mainly to support that area. Um, and then, uh, 
until well the the last two guitars i tried a, a different bracing which which really um i guess enhances the activity that's happening in the lower boat um mm -hmm. below where the where the tone bars would be on a martin style bracing um so it's actually almost like a falcate uh bracing in the lower boat um which actually um is activated by the, the torque that's happening on the bridge. Um, mm. So uh, it's kind of hard to explain without pictures, but um, the, yeah, for the most part, the top uh, above the X is fairly similar. There's a, there's a reinforcement patch around the sound hole, which I think it's smart. That's what I learned from Sergey. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, for that brace that goes under the fingerboard, I use a big heavy mahogany brace because I oh. think it makes sense. Um, yeah, heavy mahogany to stop the vibrations from or like the the inertia at that spot, um, mm -hmm. and also to just to hold the guitar shape. Yeah. Um, otherwise, the the ember bracing is totally different. It's um, I I actually call it my my phoenix bracing because. Um, it's uh, after designing the bracing pattern, I noticed that there's this there's this bird shape in it. So this has. Oh, one. yeah. <laughs> but I call it my Phoenix bracing. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, it uh, allows me to get every part of the top active. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's obviously very different because there's no twisting of the top happening. It's just all downward force. Right, right. Mm. That makes sense. Well, I guess we're kind of coming up close to the end of the hour. So I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up with the last few questions. Um, so do you, you still actively play and like go on tour, right? Yeah, it's been quiet since COVID. Um, yeah. And uh, my siblings have kind of moved away. Um, so the family band stuff happens less regularly. Mm. Um, but we play for dances uh, quite often or like fairly regularly for mm -hmm. uh, with uh, the nonprofit nonprofit organization um or i guess it's it's a charity now it's not a, um anyways um and with my friend in bc we've gone on tour a few times uh larissa scriven is her name she's a great singer songwriter and uh we've toured as wildwood soul before we have an album on spotify i was just going to ask if you got any recordings of <laughs> super popular but like maybe i don't know like 30 listens a month <laughs> That's but it, it's that kind of music is sort of my uh my favorite it's more awesome. uh, uh it gets me in the feels <laughs> yeah oh yeah. that's awesome um, i'm definitely gonna have to go check it out yeah wildwood soul and then my family band is the O'Shraves. but i think that on youtube i think the newest video on either of our groups is like six six years old <laughs> not really anything recent there yeah gotcha yeah um well what's next are you going to go to any of the guitar shows in the next year or so uh i actually not this year um i turned down the invitations back when covid was still a thing mm -hmm. well i guess it still is but <laughs> um so unfortunately not this year but um it'll allow me to focus on building and stuff yeah. um and then next year i'd like to 
uh, have, have been really wanting to go to Woodstock. That's just keeps getting pushed off. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. I had a lot of fun at La Conner and I'll probably do the, the Montreal show in, I think it's April, the, the uh, Festival Sonore, um, okay. which is always fun too. It's a, a little bit more low key, but, uh, a lot of great guitar makers in Montreal. So yeah. Yeah. Lots of people to visit and great bagels. Oh, really? I didn't know that about <laughs> yeah, they're known for the St. Vietar bagels. They're oh, very uh, famous, I guess. They're really uh, white and really tasty. <laughs> <laughs> how do they how do they stack against New York bagels? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I've got a question. I, I've got a question. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> got to get back up north and do a bagel tasting tour <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for doing this it was so nice chatting with you and, and learning more about your background and and getting to to know what your music is so we can go check it out so I'll, I'll be sure to link that in the description so that people can check you out too um but yeah thanks for doing this and yeah well I, I never know how to wrap things up <laughs> well well I'll, I'll thank you uh for having me on and and also teenage for representing me um because it's been a huge boost like i said and uh i i really appreciate um all the work you guys do you Lindsay, you do a lot of work <laughs> i really appreciate it and uh i'm just proud to be represented amongst all my other guitar making friends who are putting out amazing work and uh um, yeah, um, thanks to you. <laughs> yeah, well, we are so proud to have you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Guitar. The guitar you heard at the beginning, played by yours truly, is the OMZ in Honduran Rosewood and Moon Spruce. And the one you hear now is the Ember Series model that we still have, played by Seth Plemons. Both of these are available on our site. At the break, we heard a previously sold Treehouse Parlor, played by the wonderful Nashville guitarist, Lance Allen. To learn more about Zach and all of our wonderful builders, come visit us at thenorthamericanguitar.com. Until next time.